Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. Housing is tight for lots of college students in California, but for those students who have spent time in jail, it's even harder to secure housing. Issues like a lack of credit history, gaps in employment, and criminal records can be obstacles. Having a home can make it a lot easier to succeed. A house that lets you pursue higher education, it's a, it's a space where we can go and you know be in peace. How can colleges help formerly incarcerated students meet their goal of earning a college degree upon their release from prison? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stabley. When Jimmy Connor first walked into the John Irwin house in Fullerton, he was blown away. It was surreal. It was breathtaking. I was like, wow, man, I'm moving on up. Like, <laughs> my first impression was, damn, do I deserve this? Like, this, it was amazing. It was, it was quiet. Like, this is the first time where I can hear nature. I heard birds chirping and I think a squirrel. I'm like, what the, this is, it's quiet. The John Irwin House is official university housing at the California State University Fullerton, just for students like Jimmy, who used to be incarcerated. The people in the house really made it a home, right? Because you can just have a house, a nice, beautiful house, but is it a home? It was it was the, the guys, right? I came during one of the housing meetings, and the guys was just, they were so welcoming. It was cool. And J.C. sat me down. We talked. And uh, what shocked me was when J.C. said, oh, yeah, man, I, I did 20-plus years. I said, wow. So it's a, it's a space where people, they have similarities to you, right? You can... You ain't got to feel judged. The other residents had experiences in common with Jimmy. They'd been involved in gangs or violence and had been in prison. And they had the same goal, to finish college. There's nowhere in the country, nowhere where they have a transformative housing initiative for college students who are system impacted. So this is the first of its kind. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, housing to take you from prison to college. To understand just what a difference the John Irwin house made for Jimmy, you have to understand his story. Jimmy grew up in Compton in a neighborhood with lots of crime and gang activity. But Jimmy says he had a spark for learning. He's so always had a knack of, of studying and, and uh, wanting to like, improve myself. When my uh, third grade teacher told me that we couldn't breathe in space. And, uh, you know, as a kid, you fantasize. Like, your mind would take you anywhere. It's like the magic school bus, right? It's like you can go anywhere. It's like you can, there's no limits. So, um I saw I became interested in physics and astronomy. My love for astronomy is what really got me into uh, academics and reading. But his older siblings were involved in a gang. And by 10 years old, Jimmy got drawn into that life. Soon, he stopped going to school altogether. And when he was 14, he was arrested and sentenced to 17 years in prison. He spent the first three or four years in the California Youth Authority, then moved to state prison when he turned 18. And that's where he started really studying. But at first, it was all on his own. He started trying to learn Spanish and Chinese, reading books, hanging out in the prison library. And uh, I should carry books. Typically, the only people in prison that carries like a lot of books, a 
around are lifers because they go to a law library and try to fight for their lives and try to get their freedom back. So there's one guy, he's working in the education department. So he walked up to me. He said, hey, um, he said, you got, uh, he said, you got life? I said, nah. He said, why you carry all those books around all the time? I said, oh, I like to study. He said, uh, oh, you get your GED. I was like, nah. Jimmy wasn't about to sign up to get his GED on his own. At the time, he wanted to learn on his own, and he didn't want anyone else to know he was smart or excited about learning. But this other guy signed Jimmy up without him knowing. And when they called him to the education department, Jimmy decided to try it out. And he liked it. So I was like, man, I like organized education. Like, I, I can do this. I can sit in a, like a classroom again. At this point, Jimmy hadn't been in a classroom for a really long time. Years. He'd stopped going to school when he was in seventh grade, long before he was arrested and later sentenced. But he liked the GED class so much that he kept going. And two years later, he took the test. I passed. I, I was shocked. So we went to our graduation. And when I held that, that GED, that certificate, like the material and like something I, I, I accomplished, I was like, I need more. Like, you know, I became addicted. Like, I, I need more. Like, I, I need to hold more of these pieces of papers right here. Jimmy was stuck on this goal. He found a way to get transferred into a prison that was lower security where he could take college courses. And he had a one-track mind at this point. When he first got there, some of the people who worked there recognized him from back in his youth authority days. Days when Jimmy would get into a lot of fights. So they set me down at the table. I had a meeting. They're like, hey, uh, at this prison, we don't do nothing. I said, hey, that's cool. I said, fine. What do I sign up for the colleges? It's like, oh, we'll get to that. We need to talk to you, bro. bro. I don't like it. Where's the colleges at? Where, where, where do I sign up for college? Where, where do I sign up and go to school? It was like, and they finally told me. I said, I'll talk to y'all later. And I got up and I went and signed up for college. This is where Jimmy got in touch with Project Rebound. I'll let my colleague Betty Marquez Rosales explain. She wrote about this for EdSource. This organization that was started by a professor at San Francisco State many, many years ago, and he had been previously incarcerated. And out of that experience, he created Project Rebound to try to help support previously incarcerated students who wanted to go uh, to college, right? And so this program only existed in the San Francisco campus for many years, and it eventually began expanding. And that's how it, you know, decades later, it reached Cal State Fullerton. So the program really began as a support system. They would help students meet the requirements to um, be able to either transfer into a four-year CSU campus or to graduate school as well. And so it really began as that. And then they noticed the need that students had when it came to housing. So, and that that was going to be my next question. How did how did the idea for providing housing come about, and how did it, you know, come into reality? The idea really came from the students themselves. So, one of the directors at the Fullerton program of Project Rebound, Romerilyn, when she started in her position to expand the program at that campus, she was hearing from. Uh, students who wanted to go into the Cal State system, but were um, unsure about where they would live. So they may have had the 
credits to be able to transfer, but they just didn't have that foundational structure of housing, of you know, just food security, all of those other basic needs that are really a, play a fundamental role in, in education. And so she started to try to plan with her team, how can we provide housing for these students? Um, eventually, you know, she found that there were some models that existed for previously incarcerated people who you know, were provided this supportive housing environment, but almost none of them really had that academic aspect to them as well. That educational aspect where it was not only a supportive environment, it was also an environment specifically for students. And so they took from those models, they learned as much as they could, they uh, set up focus groups to try to understand what worked and what didn't in really creating the environment that would best support the students that they were trying to help. And so that's how the John Irwin home came to be. So Betty, tell me about this house. It's the first of its kind in the country? It's in Cal State Fullerton, down in Southern California. It's in Orange County. And this home is meant specifically for a handful of students who were previously incarcerated. And so it provides them a supportive space uh, for them to be able to pursue their their academic journeys without the exterior um, stressors that they may have faced in their personal lives. After Jimmy was released, he finished his transfer requirements at community college and transferred to CSU Fullerton where he moved into John Irwin House. And he's lived there now for three years. If Jimmy hadn't found housing through Project Rebound, he doesn't know where he would be. Prior to moving into the John Irwin House, I was actually in uh, in transitional housing, which is, it's horrible, right? Our curfews are 10 o'clock there. It's very strict. Uh, I don't do drugs or I don't drink, but... There's drug tests. Like, they treat you like a parolee, like a criminal. John Irwin House, we are college students. We get treated as a college student, right? We have a college ID number. We go on campus, we read books, and we get chewed out by professors. So we're not prison inmates, right? If this didn't exist, I'm living with probably family. I got to work. Probably twice as hard. I got to catch that train to Amtrak all the way to Fullerton, then back to Los Angeles. It'll be difficult. Living back in his old neighborhood would have been difficult in other ways, too. I'm a young African-American male, right? So now I'm going to be subjected to police, you know, encounters for no reason. Hey, it was this black guy carrying a backpack and books. Yeah, right. I bet he got a gun or drugs on him. And it's probably harassed me and find out, like, nah, man, I'm in college. I'm really trying to change my life, but... Then, then you got then you got the pressure of you know the old people from the neighborhood, the homeboys, right? Oh, you think you better than us? Oh, you trying to change? Oh, you soft now, right? So you got the pressure. Basically, you got people who are not you know in line of what your goals are, right? Which, at the John Irwin House, everybody has the same goals: get to graduation, be successful, get good grades. Like how I grew up in a gang culture, now growing up in an educational culture, right? Professional culture. It changes you. You you adapt. You 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 start living that that reality. You start living that out. As a nonprofit organization, EdSource depends on donations and grants to sustain our quality journalism. We rely on listeners like you. 
Between now and December 31st, EdSource has a goal to raise $100,000 to support our journalism. Make your donation today at edsource.org. Betty, tell me more about John Irwin House. How many students live there and how does it all work? The team emphasized that they sought out a home that would not only provide them the structure, right, and, and the rooms that they needed and a kitchen, but also that it was in a, in a really nice um, neighborhood where they could have walking trails. It also serves as a community space where other Project Rebound students can, can gather for different events. Um, there's a garden, right, and that they can grow their own food in and, and learn how to, how to develop those skills as well. They really wanted to provide this holistic wraparound environment to set up the students as best as possible for them to be able to focus on their academics and and their careers. And so it began as a rented home for up to nine students. And eventually, with a mix of different um, funding, uh, they were able to purchase a home recently for up to 12 students. And do the students pay rent? They do pay rent. And so this is one of the unique aspects of this program. So every student who lives at Project Rebound House, they have to work. That's one of the requirements. And the rent that they pay is based on the monthly income that they bring in. And so Project Rebound will take 30% of each student's monthly income. And that rent really depends on the job they have. And so some of them work on campus, some of them work off campus, some of them through work study. It's it's really a mix. Um, and so the program takes that 30%. From that 30%, they set aside 33%. And that 33 from the monthly rent gets deposited into a savings account for that student so that when they are ready to move out of the John Irwin home, they have a savings to rely on for their next housing. Uh, so perhaps their first and last month's rent, their security deposit, maybe they can even get a few things uh, to furnish their apartment. And so that's how the, the rent um, is set up for, for anyone who lives in that home. We know housing is important for everybody and it's important for students and, you know, lots of students have a hard time finding housing um, or affordable housing. But why is it particularly significant for students who have been in jail or prison? Prior to the pandemic, we we know that one in 10 CSU students were facing housing insecurity, and that included homelessness. So it was already difficult prior to the pandemic. And then when you add in an incarceration experience, you might be facing a lack of credit history. You probably are facing gaps in employment. You're, you have a criminal record. There's a lot more challenges um, that you have to consider in that search for housing, particularly student housing. Um, and so being able to access housing that is set up for them and their future, rather than focusing on what they have done in the past, really helps to increase the rates of success. At least that's what we've seen out of this project. Over two thirds of students in Project Rebound, they have maintained a 3.0 GPA or higher and the number of students in the program have um, that have gone on to graduate students within the CSU system have more than tripled in the last three years. So that's just within the CSU system, not even counting those who have gone on to graduate studies or graduate programs outside of that system. In the years since they've expanded, they've, they've seen less than 1% in recidivism rates. And so there's, there's something here that, that's working. Less than 1% recidivism? 
means less than 1% of the students who participate in Project Rebound go back to prison. That's compared to an average 50% recidivism rate in the state of California as a whole. Are other campuses trying to replicate this? They are. So Cal State uh, Fresno and Sacramento, they currently are trying to figure out a way to also either rent a home or purchase a home. There are some challenges with that, of course. Uh, you know, not only finding the, the right home that might house as many students as possible while still maintaining uh, that supportive environment. Is there anything that you heard that kind of shows that this house at CSU Fullerton is, is you know, is working and is successful? What I heard from the students I spoke with is how life-changing living in that house has been for them. I spoke with at least two students who, one of them who has lived there and has since moved to an apartment of his own, and another student who currently lives there. And they have spoken about this house as being transformative. And they, they're very intentional about using that, that word transformative um, because that's what the intention is for this home. And so one of the students, you know, he mentioned that calling to learn about the program, about Project Rebound, was probably the best call he ever made. And he eventually lived in the home and he lived there until um, he was able to secure enough savings. He has an apartment of his own now. He's married. He's in a graduate program and he's about to become one of the housing managers for the John Irwin home. And so that's something that they really emphasize within this program as well. The people who work for Project Rebound in different capacities, they either have been Project Rebound students themselves, so they deeply understand what it means to be a part of the program and how to make it, you know, continue making it successful, or they've had a, an incarceration experience themselves as well. As for Jimmy, he's working on a double major, sociology and business. Once he graduates, he wants to go on to get a master's in business administration. He says at John Irwin House, what he's found is peace. We all have lives outside of Project Rebound still, right? Uh, most of us are ex-gang members, ex-parolees, so we still have a community that knows us and that exists that is not on the same page as we are, right? And we do find ourselves back at family gatherings. We do find ourselves back in these areas, in these situations. But we can leave that environment. So I can go to a family reunion, might be a, tons of drama, but yet I can jump right on that freeway and go and hear, hear the birds chirping and open the door to, you know, a multi-minute house and be around a gang of guys who are very supportive and, you know, in a safe environment. It's a, it's a, it's a space where we can go and, you know, be in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools, a production of EdSource. You can find Betty's story at edsource.org. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Jimmy Connor and Betty Marquez Rosales. Our CEO is Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the California Wellness Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join me next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.